Welcome, specialists, coaches, dads of kickers, moms of punters, relatives of long snappers, and dogs that shag kickoffs to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. And we're here to talk about the ins and outs of special teams and specialists. And I'm your host, Brett Arkelling. Uh, we have pulled the strings here to get a one-of-the-kind uh, guest. John Carney is here with us. He attended Card Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach, uh, went to Notre Dame, and throughout a 23-year NFL career, he was a two-time Pro Bowler, uh, first-team All-Pro in 1994, second-team All-Pro in 2008, a Super Bowl champion, uh, and also an all-time leading scorer on the 40th anniversary, 50th anniversary team with the San Diego Chargers, and he is in the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, Brett. Doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on. Really yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. We, we did whatever we could to uh, uh, get you on here. This show is brought to you by The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible. Do you want to learn the ins and outs of kicking from NFL specialists? Organize practice schedules for in-season and the off-season so you don't overkick? How to get a full-ride scholarship offer? The perfect long-snapping technique for tossing a 6-5 ball on the hip every time. This book provides specialists with the ultimate guide containing everything necessary to find success as a specialist at the highest level. Brett Arkelling combined over 10 years of experience as a player and coach with countless hours of research to develop this handbook of the greatest collection of proven technique tips used by college and NFL specialists and coaches all in one place. The Kicker's Bible is a must-have for both players and coaches at every level who want access to information essential to perform and teach at the best of their ability. Go to icemankicking.com, get your copy today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you might have known this already, but did you know that you were one of two players to have played the most decades in the NFL? I have heard that, dubious distinction, yes. Do you know who the other person is? I would guess George Blanda. Yes, sir. Four decades from 1949 to 70, 75 or something. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. I want to talk about real quick just the start of your career, you know, and how you got uh, all started with this whole kicking deal. Um, I know that uh, you lettered in football and you were also all state honors as a punter. Actually, what some people might not know is before football, you played soccer and the trumpet. Talk to me a little bit how you uh, got into the whole kicking deal. Well, uh, soccer was my passion growing up. That and the trumpet, as you mentioned. Uh, got to a high school that had a great football program, uh, Cardinal Newman High School, as you mentioned. Uh, Coach Sam Budnick, who's in the, uh, the Florida High School Hall of Fame as, as one of the best coaches uh, in, in Florida high school history, uh, was our coach, created a, a phenomenal program, and and for Cardinal Newman, it was really a, a rite of passage for the young men at that school to, to go out for the football program and, and grow into a man and be a part of a special, uh, a special team uh, and a special process of, uh, of, of football at Cardinal Newman, the Crusaders. So uh, I, like many of my classmates, went out for the football team. Thought I was a wide receiver. That, that was short-lived. Uh, but the guys that were kicking and punting footballs were football guys, not soccer guys. So I was like, well, 
I kick a soccer ball. I should figure out how to kick a football and get off this bench and get onto the field. So uh, that's how it got started. Uh, never intended to play past high school. I thought if I did anything in college, it would have been kicking a, a soccer ball. But uh, we had a great running back, All-American, Alonzo Jefferson in high school. He, he attracted scouts from all over the country, from every uh, major football program you could think of. Uh, he ended up going to Notre Dame. Uh, again, Coach Sam Bunnick, who was a Notre Dame graduate himself, was pushing uh, me to the Notre Dame recruiters. And they were so happy to get Alonzo, the All-American running back, that they said, I will take your kicker as a walk-on. And that's how I got to become uh, – uh, or have the opportunity to, to go to University of Notre Dame and play for the Fighting Irish. Wow, that's amazing. So after the Crusaders, you go and you go be, uh, play with Notre Dame. Uh, with Notre Dame, was Eric Parsegian, was he there at that time? Or was that? Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> not that old. <laughs> so uh, actually, it was Jerry Faust. Okay. Jerry. Jerry Faust. So after Eric Parsegian was 60s and 70s, uh, Dan Devine took over from there. That's when Joe Montana – uh, was did his special thing and then won a national championship there in the in the 70s I think it was 77 uh, Jerry Faust took over I believe in 1980 I came in 83 okay okay awesome and what's what's something that you uh, you know anything that you really remember from your time there at Notre Dame or just some some of the great experiences you had there because that's such a prestigious school I uh, love my four years there uh the football program, the history of the football program is so rich in tradition. Uh, to put on that jersey and helmet and run out of the, the tunnel and, and New Rockney Stadium just is a really special kind of – you feel like you're, you're running on clouds. It's just a very special uh, place uh, for football and for students. Um, uh, playing against USC, our, one of our main rivals, I was fortunate to be a part of a streak where – my, my class went 4-0 against USC, so I always remind my USC teammates in the NFL of that record. Uh, but, again, USC, great program, uh, great education, great academics. So it's a, a very clean and very special rivalry to both schools. Um, and got to, meet, got to meet and play with some great guys and, and, and play for some great coaches. Uh, my senior year, Coach Holtz came in. That was very – uh, special uh, honor and challenge to play for Coach Holtz. Um, got to play with Tim Brown, Heisman Trophy winner. Tim was one year behind me and got to play against Tim in the NFL. Uh, Steve Berline, who had a great uh, NFL career as well. Uh, Steve was our our quarterback. Uh, we came in together. Uh, he ended up being my holder my senior year as well. Uh, so um, Mark Bavaro, phenomenal tight end, who was a year ahead of me, uh, was an All-Pro with the New York Giants. Uh, so just a just an amazing uh, four years uh, playing for the Fighting Irish in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, and you made some some you mentioned some amazing connections that you made there too. Um, you know, in your time there, so obviously you were a, a kicker. Did you do any punting at all in college too? Well, uh, funny you mentioned that because the recruiter told me that the punting job was open and the kicking job was not. Uh, when I when I got to the school, the 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 punter was was a fifth year quarterback, Blair Keel, who was also the punter, and he was not giving up his punting job, so that job was really not open. Uh, the kicking job was was being handled by fifth year senior Mike Johnson, who just came off an All American year prior, so that was not open. But the kickoff job was open, 
And so I jumped all over that and was very fortunate to have the opportunity to start the season as the kickoff guy for the Fighting Irish uh, against uh, the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, my, my good friend, Drew Brees, of course, he wasn't playing at the time for the Purdue Boilermakers, but uh, that was a good rivalry as well. And um, was, was uh, actually got to start the season for the Fighting Irish as a kickoff guy at Purdue. And my first kickoff, um, hit the hit the upright, so um, that was a good start to my college career. Great leg strength, man. That's but also I think the bigger thing that I like to take away from that story is like I used to work uh, do kicking camps and instruction with Brian Jackson and Chris Hughesby's, who I know you've met before. Um, and so many guys, it seems like nowadays they want to be specialized. Like I'm, I just kick, or I'm just a punter. But that ability to you know, do multiple different positions got you that opportunity to start at Notre Dame? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I encourage all my high school kids to learn both disciplines um, because many times that high school, high, the high school head coach is going to ask you to do both anyways, so you might as well become proficient at both. Uh, you will back up the other position sooner or later, whether it's in college or in the pros. You're going to be the backup punter. You're going to be the backup kicker. Um, so you might as well put some time into it, learn the mechanics and have some fun with it. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny too, because for me, I was a kicker coming out of high school. Uh, I went to junior college and, you know, I thought being short, I'm five, nine. I'm like, I'll never punt. There's no way they'll ever need me to play punter. I went to a division two school and they said, Hey, we saw a film and we saw that you could punt. And I said, oh, I was just messing around at a camp. They said, come on, we don't care. We'll, we'll figure it out. So I really, figured it out and struggled that whole first year, but I did all three things for them. And eventually I ended up transferring to a division one school just as a punter. So absolutely your advice is, is, you know, hundred percent true. I believe is to be able to do multiple different uh, as, you know, aspects of the kicking game. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about, and briefly now, because well, not for you, but, but for me, because it, you know, you had a 23 year, NFL career so we'd be here all day if I was talking strictly about your career which is fantastic by the way um, but uh, you played on some very successful teams with the Chargers with the Saints uh, I you know I was a big fan of Junior Seau growing up uh, especially being from California uh, I watched the 30 for 30 on him as it was a good tribute to his life can you tell us something I saw you kicking off uh, in that uh, Super Bowl can you tell us uh, something that you really remember or a great experience you had with the Chargers? Well, certainly uh, playing with Junior Seau, uh, you know, one of the best teammates and, and, and a very close friend uh, that anybody could ever ask for. Um, you know, a, a mark of a true champion, at least in, in our arena of football, is someone that not only performs at a high level, but brings everybody else's performance up with him. Uh, it's, it's just not him alone doing his spectacular uh, play, but bringing those around him up as well. And Junior certainly was uh, an example of that. Uh, no one out-prepared that guy. No one came to the field with more intensity, not only on game day, but during practice. So if you were on a defense with Junior, you can ask anybody that played with him at USC or either the Chargers or the Dolphins or the Patriots. Practice. And we're talking Monday through Friday, practice. If you were on that side of the ball with Junior, 
you better be ready to go and strap it up because he's going 100%. And the offense realizes that as well. And uh, it doesn't take too long before the coaching staff realizes that the tempo of practice is quite a bit faster and upbeat than it was prior to junior's arrival. And um, that was, that was night and day, but uh, you know, just an amazing blessing to have an opportunity to play with him uh, uh, and, and be a a friend of his off the field as well. Um, The 94 season was amazing. That was a Cinderella season for us. No one, assumed or, or bet on the Chargers the Super Bowl 1994. Uh, we just had a great mix of veteran leadership with young talent and a very good coach in Bobby Ross and a very good general manager in Bobby Bethard, Hall of Fame Bobby Bethard. And uh, we just put it together. Just a, a very exciting season, found a way to win, kept ourselves healthy, and uh, you know, beat, beat all the critics when we, we, we flew out to Pittsburgh and beat them. Uh, and a January day to head down to the Super Bowl and unfortunately run into one of the best offenses ever put together in the NFL uh, with the, the San Francisco 49ers and uh, all the superstars they had on offense. We just just could not stop them. We actually scored more points on them that game than anybody had scored in the se- during the course of the season, but we just could not stop their offense. Just an amazing offense, but a great year. Um, that was very exciting. And then uh, – of course, with the Saints um, going to the Super Bowl in 2009, being a part of that season, uh, going to the AA, NFC Championship game in 2006 with a brand-new head coach, Sean Payton, a, you know, uh, a quarterback, Drew Brees, with a reconstructed shoulder, um, a rookie by the name of Reggie Bush. Um, just uh, a real remarkable turnaround for the Saints organization, and that was really the start of the turnaround for the entire franchise uh, in 2006. So um, just blessed to be a part of those seasons. Oh yeah. I mean, some amazing, amazing uh, things that you've been able to see during that time, especially, yeah, hearing about Junior Seau and how he motivated other players. And then with the Saints, I mean, being a Saints fan, uh, you know, that was one of the, uh, you know, favorite seasons I've ever experienced uh, to see, you know, you guys pull it out like that. Actually too, I, you know, I think so much of kicking is dealing with tough situations, you know, that you're not used to being in. And you guys definitely went through that, uh, that season after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, you know, I heard there was, there's some rough situations. It was tough. You guys were practicing at a high school, uh, you know, the change in meeting rooms, uh, you know, no help with housing. How did you guys, you personally, and then you guys as a team, you know, really come together and come out stronger from that experience? Well, that was a t- tough one. Being displaced for an entire season. And they they tried initially to set us up for success. And what it ended up is we got set up for failure. Um, like you mentioned, uh, I think three or four times we, we changed meeting room locations. Uh, we had several games in the Alamo Dome, several games at LSU. Uh, we even had a home game at the New York Giants against the Giants, if you believe that. They painted Saints in the end zone and said, okay, now it's a home game for you. We're like, really? Doesn't feel like a home game for us. It feels like Giants Stadium. It feels like we're playing against the Giants. So um, it, was, it was tough. Like you said, no housing. So after two weeks in the hotel, they said, okay, you got to go find an apartment. 
um, good luck. Do it on your off time. So it just went from bad to worse. But um, <clears throat> I think the NFL, the commission at the time, learned a lot of lessons uh, due to that season and that experience. Unfortunately, it was very difficult on our players and our coaches. Our entire coaching staff was released after that year. Uh, many players' careers were pretty much ended after that season, which is very unfortunate um, because we had a pretty good team. We had a pretty good team. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, certainly the Gulf South in New Orleans, the, our city, Louisiana, uh, went through an extremely rough time there, um, disastrous time. Uh, but the gray, the silver and in, in, in silver lining in the whole thing was the city came back strong, uh, built up, uh, you know, citizens and businesses came back strong. And now um, that city is, is quite a bit different uh, for the better um, than it was prior to Hurricane Katrina. Have you gone back since then? Have oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, of course, that was 2005. So, you know, I got to come back uh, in 2006 and 2009. And then uh, we get back about once a year, uh, once every other year down. Um, in fact, I've run a camp there. We were supposed to have a camp there this spring, but it was, was closed down because of COVID. But we ran a camp there last spring and actually yeah. used the Saints facility um, for the camp and had a great time. Had a lot of high school kids come out and be a part of uh, a kicking camp, a punting camp, and got to perform right there on the Saints property, which was pretty special. Wow. That is pretty awesome. That's And that's I should have known that uh, you were around there too because – uh, right here that you were kind of you were served as a consultant uh, with Garrett Hartley like in 2009 and that I guess that was your first foray I mean I'm sure you worked with kickers uh, on the side when you were playing too but uh, talk to me about that experience like being a coach or a kicking coach in the NFL well uh, it was a lot of fun to be honest with you um, except you want to put that helmet on and run out in the field and get some kicks when the game starts but uh, in 2009, uh, Garrett uh, was suspended for the first four games, so they brought me in to kick for him for four games. I ended up kicking 11 games. Uh, we plugged Garrett in week 12. Uh, week 14, uh, we were headed to the playoffs. We were the number one seed in the NFC, so we needed to bring in a few more guys for the playoff runs. So Coach Payton and, and the general manager, Mickey Loomis, asked me to stay on as a kicking consultant because I was so involved with Garrett Harley and our young punter at the time, our rookie punter, Thomas Morstead, who has turned out to be one of the best punters in the NFL right now and a good friend. Uh, so I stayed on as a consultant and just continued as I was during the season, but now in, in more of a serious role of uh, working with the guys on a daily basis, making sure we went over film, making sure our workouts were on point, uh, helping them uh, with uh, pregame, um, you know, just uh, identifying and evaluating the field conditions and the environment. So uh, they were totally prepared for, for each game because again, they're both young. Uh, of course, for Thomas, every Every away game was a new game and a new ex experience and a new stadium for him. Uh, so it was great. I loved it. I loved it. Um, and we took that right into the playoffs and right into uh, winning the Super Bowl. Um, 
I have done some consulting for five other NFL teams in the offseason, and I enjoy going to the facility, working with the special teams coach as well as the players at their home field, at their facility, and making sure they're doing everything they can to be the best they can be. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, it's funny that you're talking about, you know, checking the grass or, or you know, uh, going over film with them, you know, because that's really what special teams coaches do, like Randy Brown uh, with the Ravens or uh, Chris Boniel with the Buccaneers. That's what I've, I've listened to uh, Brian Jackson, their fourth down experience, and Randy Brown was talking about, you know, in the next couple of years, he thinks it'll go from maybe five guys that have a, a focus in kicking to 10 guys. Would that be like an aspiration of yours? Would you get back into, you know, like coaching with an NFL team? Uh, possibly. Uh, I like what I'm doing now because I have the freedom to work with guys around the league, uh, free agents, guys who are signed with teams. Like, you know, just last week we had uh, over 15 NFL free agents, or I shouldn't say free agents, NFL specialists come in and train at our camp called the Launching Pad prior to and preparing them for training camp in the season. So uh, it gives me freedom to work with all those guys and high school and college guys as well. Um, I do like consulting on a short-term basis, but I don't like to get locked down on a long-term basis. Definitely. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a huge commitment and you have a great thing going on uh, there in San Diego. Uh, okay, I want to talk about a little bit more about technique now. Uh, and I, I think I told you I got kick, punt, and train like a pro which I have to say, awesome kilt uh, that you were kicking in there, yeah. uh, that whole video. Uh, tell me, tell me where, where's the inspiration for that come, or where did that come from? Well, I do have Irish heritage. So, um, and, you know, it was a lot of fun. I don't know how that came about. Uh, we thought we'd do a little promo for the video, and it turned in, kind of took a life of its own. Um, I have many of my clients uh, and friends that want to do a, a Celtic Kicker 2 video. So that may be nice. coming in the, in the near future. We're here. But, uh, I just thought it would be entertaining uh, for the masses. Uh, it's gotten a few views. I don't know, 2,500 or something like that on YouTube. So it uh, hasn't caught fire yet, but it's entertaining. Hey, maybe after this, it'll uh, we'll, we'll put it out there and uh, make sure it catches fire. I showed my high schoolers, man, and they they loved it. You know, I, I wanted them to sit down and watch the technique. They're like, "Oh my god, where does he have this long hair and this kilt on?" I said, "I know, this, he's a dude. Like he can do this." You know, so they wanted to go out on a field with a kilt. I said, "Until you make the NFL, you can't do that." So. <laughs> All right, you be serious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, I'm I'm interested. Uh, you know you played all the way from lower level to the highest of levels. And, uh, you know, you've seen all different talent from your playing days till now. What do you think, what qualities separate, uh, you know, a, a quality, a pretty good college kicker uh, from, from your average NFL kickers or the top NFL kickers? What qualities or what, you know, uh, technique, what, what sets them apart in your eyes? Uh, good question. Uh, I think uh, the younger guys, they use the word consistency, but they really don't understand the depth and uh, the true definition of consistency. It's not just making games, just making kicks, or just making punts, or just making snaps on game day. Uh, in the NFL, you basically practice three days a week, 
Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you play a game on Sunday or Monday night uh, and possibly a Thursday, uh, Thursday night. Um, you have to be an NFL kicker, punter, and long snapper every time you step on the field. You're the only guy on the roster that, that has that ability, that has that talent and is getting paid to do that specific skill. You have to show up every day and be that guy. Are you going to be sensational every day? No. Do you need to be capable and get the job done every day? Yes. It only takes you about one or two days of not getting a job done in practice before the general manager and the coaching staff starts to review their ready list and consider bringing someone in to compete or take your job. So there's, a, there's a, an immense amount of consistency that you need to gain and uh, portray or perform on a regular basis. Uh, you have to have a method to your madness. Uh, you have to have a system and a routine that works for you, uh, not only on the field when it comes to your kicking, punting, and long snapping, but in the weight room and in your strength and conditioning uh, and in your life. Um, you have to have control of your life on the field and off the field because off the field, out of control, will bleed into on the field. And that's going to affect your, your life and your performance on the field. It's probably going to shorten your career and <laughs> – there's many uh, examples of that where you see guys who have great talent and next thing you know, they're off the team because of their off the field antics. Uh, you never want to work so hard and finally get that opportunity to play in the NFL at the highest level of your profession and be cut because of your off the field behavior. Um, so you really have to dial in these systems, these routines. And that's why I say the best years of an NFL kicker, punter, long snapper are usually between the ages of 27 and 35, because prior to 27, you have all kinds of physical talent, but you still haven't really dialed in and detailed your routines your, your training routines and your kicking, punting, and long snapping routines. And I'm talking about the routine in pregame, the routine in game time, and the routine when you step on the field. Um, and you haven't dialed in your strength and conditioning yet. You're still trying to figure out what skill-specific exercises do I need to do to keep my game at its best and improve my game? And what does that look like in season? What does that look like out of season. So you're still kind of troubleshooting that. Uh, and so, and you're, and prior to 27, you're still experiencing what it's like to kick on the West coast, the East coast, down in the South with humidity up in green Bay and the high grass and the cold. And so you're going through these experiences and you're figuring out how to, how to be, become successful, how to be successful, how to be consistent in those environments and those stadiums. So, all that totals up, that experience, your routines, your knowledge getting, your wisdom. Age 27, you start to collect and really have a, gra a grasp on all that, but you still physically have that ability, physical built ability that'll take you into about age 35. And that's why I believe the best years for kickers and punters and long snappers is in that range. And then of course, beyond 35, then you find ways to 
continue to perform at a high level, adjusting your training because you're not recovering as quickly, you don't have as much gas in the tank, you don't have as many bullets in the gun per practice, so you, you, you really start to focus on quality versus quantity and how to, how to continue your career into your late 30s and maybe into your 40s. Man, you hit on so many good points there. Uh, I think one of the big things and a lot of stuff I want to talk about, let's talk about first that quantity versus quality debate. Was it when you were younger, you didn't know any better, so you kicked more? Or was it you're, you're still trying to find that, that swing, your, your authentic swing, your contact point, that you need to kick more balls when you're younger as a, uh, compared to when you're older? Uh, probably both, Brett. You know, it's uh, na you're naive and you don't realize, although your leg's starting to fatigue, you never want to admit it. You know, you're 19 years old and yeah, I can kick all day long. You know, my, I have an iron leg. I never get, you know, I, I love the guys that come up to me and go, yeah, I can kick all day. I'm like, okay, let's, we'll see how you can kick all day. We'll see what ball number 50 looks like. So, um, but yeah, uh, you're, you're right on the other end too, because we're young and we're still dialing in that groove, that natural groove that's going to work for us. And so that takes a lot of reps. And it takes a lot of troubleshooting and it takes a lot of trial and error. And maybe when we're young, we're, you know, we're playing football in the fall, but we're playing lacrosse or rugby in the spring or baseball in the spring. And so we're not staying with our skill the entire year. So when we get back to it in the next summer, we got to groove that in again. And so it takes a few more reps to get back to where we were when the season ended. So um, yes, uh, you know, there are reasons why we, we kick more, punt more, not always a good thing, but why our rep count may be a lot more when we're younger. As we get older, we get smarter. That groove becomes more natural and more consistent. And now, as we mentioned, we can focus more on quality versus quantity. I love that. That's great. As far as something you talked about a little bit earlier to that competition aspect, I think that's what a lot of kickers or, or the general public doesn't understand is that one or two bad days and you're literally gone. How to me, that would be, you know, I played out of college and, you know, it's not that you, you're a scholarship guy, that's your job. You know, there, you can always get your job taken, but it's nothing compared to the NFL, you know, where they'll ride out with you in college In the NFL, it's two bad days and you're gone mentally. How do you process or how do you handle, uh, you know, that competitive aspect in, in camp? Well, it's a challenge, um, and you have to keep things in perspective. Uh, you have to realize it is a business. So although you think you're friends with the general manager and the head coach and the special teams coach, uh, they like to get paid as well. Uh, they get judged by the team's record and by the team's performance, and special teams coach by his by his men, his groups, you know, their performance. And so uh, you got to keep things in perspective and understand what they're looking for and do your best to deliver that. Um, you also have to realize the reality of the job that sooner or later you're going to get cut, waived, traded. That's part of the business. Uh, it's not the end of the world if it happens. Um, if you have... Um, you know, a, a, immense 
anxiety uh, from being cut, that is going to affect your performance, uh, both mentally and physically. So you have to come to terms with, I got to go do my job to the best of my ability. If I get cut, waived, or traded, it's out of my control. The only thing in my control is what I can do. What I can control myself is my preparation and my performance, my mental, physical, spiritual approach to my job. And whatever happens beyond that is, is out of my control. And when we realize that, come to grasp, you know, grips with that, then we can uh, focus and um, be comfortable knowing that we're taking care of our business. And outside of that, the decisions outside of our control will be made from time to time and we just have to roll with it. Absolutely. And part of that is just focusing on yourself and ignoring those distractions, right? And, and you know, people I've talked to, I, I really like talking to Shane Graham, who's played a long time in the NFL and he, he says fall in love with the process. And you hit on that too. As far as your process, like, for field goals and, and your uh, your approach and and you know did you have a uh, you know a process that you went through on the sideline or before you went out on the field and your uh, your walk back and walk over when you're going before you strike a field goal? Uh, absolutely, and Shane Graham's a great friend of mine. There's a picture of him right behind me. He came to our two of our uh, launching pad camps. Uh, I met Shane several times. Played against him. Uh, hung out with him a little bit when he was playing for the Saints. He did a great job for the Saints, a great job for many teams, a, a true pro. Um, yes, uh, and Shane hit the nail on the head. Uh, you have to fall in love with the process. You have to have a process. You refine the process, and then you commit yourself to the process. Does that process change from time to time? Absolutely. You tweak it here, you tweak it there. But if you don't have a process, you better be – amazingly talented because I don't know too many guys who last very long who don't have a process. Um, maybe Janikowski, but I bet he, I bet you even he has a process. Uh, and he's probably one of the most talented kickers I've ever seen kick a football. Um, but absolutely. So, you know, my process, I could probably talk to you about my process for hours, but uh, in a nutshell, stepping onto the field, my first priority is, getting to my spot and finding a good spot. So if it's a grass field, I got to make sure that where my spot should be eight yards directly behind the, the long snapper is a good spot on that grass field. If it's not, I need to find a way to adjust it and move it side to side or back a little bit and find some good grass. Second is I got to find a really good target line. Most of my target lines have been decided in pregame. If the wind has changed, I have to identify that and make sure that my target line is true and that I'm comfortable and confident with that target line. Uh, and now I'm going through my steps. The step-off process is something that's in our control. It should never be sloppy and it should never be inconsistent. If it is, that's on us. Uh, so as I'm stepping off my steps, I'm taking a peek at the 25-second clock to make sure I'm not running out of time. Hopefully my holder's reminding me of that time remaining on the clock. Um, and as I get ready in my ready position, I have two swing thoughts, no more than two swing thoughts going through my head. They probably are something like good tempo to the ball, solid contact, or good tempo to the ball, finish kick, 
uh, or short step, short jab step, uh, keep my head down. So those are several combinations of swing thoughts that I may have going through my head, but never more than two at one time. And then it's again, trusting the process, trusting the kick uh, and tempo is always on the top of your list. Kickers get out of tempo, golfers get out of tempo, punters get out of tempo, we're in big trouble. Uh, so um, keeping good tempo, going through, finishing the kick, and, uh, and hopefully you've done your preparations, you've done physically mental preparations, and should that snap and hold be relatively decent, uh, you can walk off the field three points and go get that kickoff deep. That's awesome. As far as your and part of that process too is is, and you kind of I think hit it on it, but I wanted to know more directly. You know, some guys will have a a mental cue or a verbal cue, you know, with something they say to themselves. And you know, I would say like a wide plan or lock my ankle out. Is it what would you say to yourself, you know, before you're going to hit a ball? Well, again, uh, those are my swing thoughts. So the good tempo or short jab step or uh, make good contact or finish kick. Finish kick is always really important because so many kickers, as soon as their ball, their foot is making contact, they want to come out of the kick early. They want to see where it's going. They want to get tall. They want to fall off and they never finish the kick and they never get through the ball. And we want to accelerate through the ball. We do not want to decelerate or, or um, uh, interrupt our, our path of our, of our swing. I call it our swing arc or your swing path. We want to make sure that continues through the ball and has an opportunity to finish so we get to come through the ball with power. And so those are some of my swing thoughts or cues, as you say, uh, when I'm out there kicking field goals. Nice. Did you have a, a physical? I know some guys will uh, rotate their Giorgio Tavecchio would like rotate his, his chest or people would tap their foot to let their body know, you know, it's time to lock in, it's time to go. Did you have anything like that? Uh, there were times, and I don't know why I did this, maybe because I thought I was going to throw the football if it ended up in my hands, but I did this shoulder thing like that and then I'd get ready. And um, I didn't realize I was doing it until people were, were mimic mimicking me uh, doing it. I was like, am I doing that? I guess I'm doing that. So I don't know what it was. Um, but it became a thing for a while and I don't know, it works. So I don't, I don't ask too many questions if things are working. Whatever works. Right. That's, that's good. When you're watching film, I know, and I know there's, you know, a ton of different components to a kick and it's always best to keep it simple. But when you're watching film, uh, you're either your film or someone you're reviewing, you know, what's a couple points that you focus on with them that you feel like is the, the basic fundamentals that they need to master? Uh, well, tempo, as I mentioned, a lot of young kickers want to go too fast. They think the faster I go, the far further it will go, and they, they get out of timing, out of sync. Um, I want to make sure their steps look good and consistent. Again, their step off, their, their, their starting point should be very consistent. And if it's not, that's a, that's a problem. It's a big problem. Uh, if they're picking up their head early and coming out of the kick early, like I mentioned, that's, that's also a big problem, both for kickers and punters. If they're coming out of the kick or punt early and not finishing the kick or punt, that's a big problem. Um, obviously with punters, a quiet drop, a drop that is, is proper, quiet, still, 
looks the same every time, extremely important. A leg swing path on a punter, uh, extremely important that the leg comes up in the same channel every time. And it's not, they don't have one channel, uh, one punt, another channel, another punt. And now they have two big variables, a drop and a, and a, and a swing path that are not matching. Um, that's a big problem. Um, uh, and I, I really pay very close attention to the kicker's step off. And when I say this, many coaches, unfortunately, are locking kids into only one step off, three steps back and two steps over. And that, that is not universal. Uh, that is not right for every kicker. Um, kickers grow up playing soccer and how they have grown up kicking a soccer ball, whether it's a low swing path, a high swing path, a wide swing path, a narrow swing path, that is the swing path that's most natural to them. And that's the swing path and angle of approach that we want to bring into their kicking of a field goal. So again, that can be natural and easy to repeat. And um, I can't tell you how many young kickers I've had to help find a new starting point because they were locked into the three and two and that three and two wasn't necessarily working out real well for them. And they were fighting, they were fighting their own natural swing path because that three and two was not a good angle of approach for them. When you say they were fighting it, uh, were they planting too close to the ball or were they tending to, you know, swing around it? What would what you mean by fighting, fighting the ball? Well, uh, for instance, a Steven Hoska starts wide and finishes wide. He has a low swing path. Um, a young way coup or a, a kicker by the name of uh, uh, Nick Lowry, who kicked for the Kansas City Chiefs for many, many years. They have a high swing path. So um, Nick Lowry, young way coup, they're going to uh, – Nick Folk, a good friend of mine uh, who has a high swing path, they're going to start narrow. Whereas someone like me, uh, uh, Martin Gramatica, uh, Stephen Hoska, we have a we have a low wide swing path, so we start wider. So um, that's our natural angle of approach. We're matching our natural angle of approach with our natural swing path. That's going to give us the most consistency. It's going to be the most easiest method for us to kick the ball straight because that's the way we grew up kicking a soccer ball. So if we put any of those guys at a different starting point, can they make a kick? Yes. Are they going to be fighting their old swing path? Yes. Is it going to have, is it going to be the most consistent way for them to kick? No. So we want to match swing path with angle of approach. Um, so very, very important. And the plant foot, where the plant foot's landing is only in relation to the how they're kicking the football. Uh, so plant foot is really a reaction to our kicking foot. The kicking foot is the action, and the plant foot is the reaction to how and where we want that ball to go with our kicking foot. That's awesome. I, I like that. That's some really good stuff. And, I, you know, I guess it, some of it has to do with flexibility, too, I'm sure. Um, you know, with your swing path, but that's that's really cool how you broke that down. You know, a lot of guys, 
uh, especially high school guys, they're, they're watching these NFL kickers and they might think, oh, these guys don't miss or they never have bad days. They never have something they need to work on. And we all know that's simply not true. It's just a, a different way they deal with it in a different way. When you were getting older and through your career, you were definitely getting more refined. But what's a, a common error you still dealt with and focused on in practice and how did you fix it? I never had any. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, a common error. Uh, so we should all have uh, a troubleshoot list. Uh, so, you know, and eventually everybody's going to figure out sooner or later when I'm miss hitting a ball or I'm not having a good day, it should probably be one of three things. It's not a long list of 20 because like you said, at some point we refine our kicking and punting down to pretty good form, form that works for us. So when things aren't going right, there's not a whole long laundry list of things that could be wrong. It's usually just a few things. For me, when I was having an off day, it usually meant one, my jab step was getting too long. Two, I was coming in too fast, again, out of tempo. Or three, I wasn't finishing the kick. So that was my quick troubleshoot list when I wasn't hitting the ball well. Um, what's really important, and you mentioned it, you know, these, these older guys, these NFL guys, they never have a bad day. Uh, we certainly try not to. Um, and, and one of the reasons guys can last so long in the NFL and any athlete for that matter in any sport, if you, if you learn and watch and study some of the great athletes that have lasted a long time, uh, Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, uh, Nolan Ryan, okay, uh, Adam Benatari, okay, guys that have lasted a extremely long time in their career there's one thing they have that the young guys don't have and the young guys are either going to figure it out or they're going to have a short career and i call it the b game okay so on days that you just aren't hitting that ball the way you'd like to you don't have master control of the ball whether again it's a basketball the three-pointer's not going in. It's golf. You know, my 350-yard drive isn't going in the middle of fairway right now. Um, uh, for kicking, obviously, we're not putting the ball through the middle of uprights like we'd like to, or we're getting a little bit of an X-ball action. All right, so the young guy, the young athlete, he's going to continue to grind and continue to grind, searching for that A-ball, searching for that A-game. And that grind may cost him in the game. The mature athlete, the athlete that's been around for a while, he knows at some point this A game's not happening today. It might be a flaw that entered his, 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 uh, his form that he certainly, for whatever reason, he can't identify. He's, he's, he, he went through his troubleshoot list and he just can't identify it. It may be physical. You know, he woke up with the flu that morning or he was sick during the week and he physically doesn't feel good. Um, or, uh, or because of, of some type of strength and conditioning problem he had during the week, he's physically not feeling well. Uh, maybe 
something else is going on. You know, his, his wife walked on him, walked out on him that morning. And he's like, wow, geez, I can't believe she walked out on me. So, um, there things that are bothering the athlete, bothering his mojo, and he doesn't have the A game. He has a B game to switch to. Okay. So for instance, my B game is forget kicking the ball high, forget kicking the ball with perfect rotation. Just start the ball straight. Just start it towards my target line and hope for the best. Um, that's, that's, got me out of a million situations, whether it was a practice field goal session or a scrimmage or a game where I just didn't have my A game and I just, I just had to get through the game with kicking the ball between the uprights. No one was going to get excited about it. You know, uh, Brett wasn't going to have a, a, a Zoom call saying, wow, Carney's ball went over the net and, and like into the upper row of, of uh, the Superdome. It was a, the farthest, highest kick I've ever seen. Uh, no one's going to write home about it. But I'm walking off the field with three points. Um, Tiger Woods, uh, after winning a, a tournament by a ton of strokes, um, after the tournament in the post-tournament uh, press conference said, I won today with my B game. And a few of his, his peers, his golfing peers, were uh, a little offended that he said that. But he wasn't saying, I'm sorry that I beat you with my B game. What he was saying was, I didn't have my A game. I couldn't cut dog legs off. I couldn't, you know, shape shots. I was just like, tee to green and make a putt. So, um, and, and Michael Jordan certainly has had his B games where, you know, he can't find the basket. And then at the end of the game, he hits a three pointer and boom, you know, history is made. So the, the pros that last a long time, they have a B game and they know when to switch to it so they can get the job done. Not always pretty, but they get the job done and that's how they last so long. John, don't say I wouldn't uh, have a zoom call about it. Cause here we are and we're talking about your B game, <laughs> yeah. but no, that, that is so awesome. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's not going to be pretty, right? But you're going, you're trying to just hit a straight ball, right? Just make solid contact with the ball. Absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, you know, now with my clients, and I'm talking about you know guys who are, are out of college or in college or out of college and trying to make the big leagues. Um, we'll have a day out there. We'll be with a group of guys, and some guys really struggling. And I'll say, okay, time out, time out this is a really good day for us. And of course they're saying, what are you talking about? This is a terrible day. I, I can't hit the side of a bar and I'm really frustrated. I go, I know. This is why this is a good day. I want you to make two kicks right now. I don't care if they're helicopter balls. I don't care if they're 10 feet off the ground. I don't care if they're an X ball. I just want to see it go through the uprights. I want to see you kick a ball through the uprights. And it's amazing because they have to release all their swing thoughts that they're most likely caught up on. And, and they got a big, um, you know, uh, they got a big rat's nest of, of swing thoughts that are really performing uh, or hindering their performance. And they have to release all those swing thoughts and just think to themselves, okay, Coach Carney just wants me to kick it straight, okay? Just kick the ball straight. And they get to release all the anxiety of all those swing thoughts that they're trying to hold on to and just kick the ball straight. 
and most of the time they're really amazed that the ball goes straight. In fact, it might even be a pretty good looking kick. And um, you got to have as, as an athlete, uh, a player that does a repetitive action, like a kicker, golfer, baseball player, pitcher, batter, um, you know, a, a shooter in basketball, you have to have a B game to switch to on days like that. Absolutely. I've been listening to a sports psychologist who, part of what they talk about is great athletes. They, they have this utmost confidence in themselves where it's, you know, everyone says a short memory, but having that confidence in that B game that this will get it done. I mean, I'm sure that's what got you through 23 or so years of the NFL. Uh, you know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, but let's keep talking about, you know, bad things that have happened in your career. Uh, no, how did you, how did you, I'm really interested to hear, how did you handle, um, you know, what, can you tell me about a rough situation you went through in the NFL and how you handled it, uh, one situation in a good way and, you know, you handled it very professionally and one where you wish you would have handled it better and it was a little bit tougher for you. Uh, well, uh, my, my biggest gap uh, was the missed extra point in Jacksonville. Um, I, and, you know, I could give you a list of reasons why it happened, but at the end of the day, they're all excuses. Um, so that was very frustrating that, uh, you know, our team had fought back and had this phenomenal play of lateraling the ball 10 times and, and sneaking in a touchdown at the end of the game. And, looked like we were going to go into overtime against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then yours truly goes out um, after standing on the field for 15 minutes because they had to review the darn play so many times and then miss an extra point. Um, so I became a big fan of the Jacksonville community at that point uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguar football team, which ironically I ended up playing for uh, five years later. But um, that's a whole other story. But uh, that um, – that uh, situation, that performance or, or lack of performance uh, was a big turning point later in my career. Um, you know, I thought at that point, I probably would have played three more years. Um, after that happened, I got to spend a whole off season uh, mulling that over, um, wallowing in it uh, and figuring out what went wrong and um, what could I have done different. Um, it was a moment, a turning, a turning point of recommitting myself mentally and physically to my routines and my process and making a decision that that was not going to be the way I ended my career. Um, and I ended up playing, let's see, that was 2003. So seven more years, a Pro Bowl and a Super Bowl. Uh, so, um, and I don't think I would have gone that long had that had not happened. Um, so uh, that was a silver lining in that, although it was painful. Um, it, it, it brought me back to the lab. Um, what, can, what can I do better, differently? Um, and how can I um, improve my game and, and push this career down the road some more? Um, in 2000, no, 2000, let's see, in 1991, my second year with the Chargers, uh, I was still naive. I was still in that young area of my life where I was still trying to figure out the NFL. I had a honeymoon season of my first season with the Chargers. Everything was easy. Great snapper, great holder. All the kicks were between like, you know, 46 and 26 and just 
every time I stepped out on the field, the balls were good. The weather was good. My snap and hold were good. Everything came easy. Second year comes. Every time I step out on the field, it feels like every kick is from 48 yards. Uh, my snapper goes down in like game two or three. I got a snapper now that's all over the place. And, uh, and I got a coach who's breathing down my neck. The team's not doing well. And so that I was just not expecting that whatsoever. And that, that was a tough season. Statistically, that was my worst season. I, I, I fought through it uh, with a lot of anxiety and frustration and searching for answers. Uh, just basically couldn't wait to get to the off season to go back into the lab and figure out a lot of this stuff and realize, uh-oh, a season like this could happen? I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, oh, and by the way, they drafted a kicker that off season. So now I had to go fight to get my job back. So um, that I, I wish I could have handled it better. I, I was young and naive and just trying to kind of reaching for straws, just trying to, to, to tread water and, and hang in there. Um, I think, and I mentioned this earlier uh, on the, on the show here. Um, it, it took me a, to about three quarters of the way through the season of just high anxiety, not sleeping, just always nervous. I was going to walk in and, and, and I was going to have the pink slip in my locker. Um, it took me about three quarters of the way through the season to come to the realization, although you worked really hard for four years to get this job, uh, and it would be a, a big disappointment if I got released, that that wouldn't be the end of the world. And I had to come to the realization that if I got cut, life would go on. And that's a reality that one, I don't have control over. So just go to work and do the best job you can do every day and stop worrying about getting cut and getting released. And at that point, I started getting some traction and starting sleeping better, training better, better focus, and ended the season on a better note. Wow. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, again, this is something I've listened to with the sports psychologist is, is disconnecting uh, who you are as a person from your results on the field, right? And understanding that that doesn't define you necessarily. It's definitely a part of you and a part of your life. But as you said, life will go on without football. Yes. Uh, you know, especially as men, we, we tend to identify ourselves with our job, our career and our performance very easy to do um, but you're right um, at, we, we need to have an ability to separate that and I'm Brett here I'm Brett the football player and the place kicker here but this is me this is who I really am and life will go on someday this won't be around and I'll still be Brett and this is I'm, I'm a person and I have all these other talents skills and abilities and direction in my life that's that's a good point too did you have other hobbies that you know, when things weren't going so well at work that you could go to, you know, were you a big fisher, golf guy? What'd you do? Uh, did not golf during the season because I felt the golf swing and the kicking swing were two different swings. And the back, for me personally, the back didn't like mixing those two uh, together, um, especially during a football season. Uh, but in off season, golf was fun. Um, water sports, whether it was surfing or swimming or snorkeling, uh, enjoyed that very much. Uh, and I'm kind of a gym rat. So I enjoyed, you know, just getting in the gym and working out. Uh, I, I consider that fun 
Um, I try to uh, share that with the guys that come out here in California. Uh, we're in the gym a lot, but we're skill-specific training. We're not in here just doing curls and triceps, trying to look good on the beach, but uh, we're doing skill-specific trainings that's going to transfer over very well and be very beneficial for our our performance on the field. Right at the launch pad. That's you know that's something uh, Mac told me too. That's one thing he really learned working with you was, you know, how many different uh, skill specific training and lifting that you can do with your body. And I tell my specialists all the time here is you don't always have to kick a hundred balls. There's a ton of different uh, workouts or different drills or exercises you can do. That's going to help you as a specialist. Uh, what, what's something that you guys, you know, not to go too far into it, but I'd love to hear, you know, what's something that you like to focus on with your guys off the field in the weight room. You guys do a lot of hip mobility stuff. Uh, so another, that's another long, long uh, conversation. Uh, a lot of core. Um, yes, a lot of mobility and flexibility. Um, the core uh, elements that we train in every kick, every athlete for that matter, but we're talking about kickers and punters, are, are these elements. Strength, in fact, uh, well, these are in our, our, our ebook the ultimate kicker and punter strength program, but um, strength, power, balance, explosion, agility, and flexibility. If those are not part of your program, they need to be, all right? And there's a lot of athletes that don't do enough balance exercises or agility or explosive exercises. The NFL punters, the elite NFL punters that come here to our gym are all explosive. They all have vertical jumps in the 30s, uh, they have backgrounds in basketball, track, volleyball, um, jumping, jumping activities. Um, the best kickoff guys are also explosive. So if, it, if that's an element of being an elite kickoff guy, an elite punter, then we have to make sure we're training that, especially in the offseason. Um, so we want to make sure the guys are hitting those elements here and hitting them right. We also want to have a strong, strong focus on our hip flexor so our basic power comes from our core hip flexor and quad that chain works in conjunction uh, and in unison and the smallest link in that chain is the hip flexor so in the off season i want to make sure our hip flexors are strong durable flexible and explosive and if if we're not working that hip flexor a lot in the off season, then we're not going to see the benefits of a strong, durable, flexible, and explosive hip flexor during the season. Oh, absolutely. And you, I mean, you have the, the resume to prove it. You, I mean, you played for 23 years and a lot of guys, you know, their knees will be falling apart or their, their legs, you know, their hamstrings their uh, groin. Um, what's an explosive thing that you like to do when you were playing that kept you, you know, spry and explosive, even to, at an old age. So age, I, I did box jumps. I, we actually do a lot more explosive exercises here now than when I was playing. I wish, I wish I would have known when I was playing, uh, you know, what I know now back then, uh, because we've created some new exercises and, and I've learned more exercises from my NFL guys that come in. So we continue to evolve our program. Uh, you know, here we do lateral jumping, uh, horizontal jumping, and vertical jumping. Uh, we do resistance jumping. Um, 
off of a board called the Vertimax, which is if you get 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 to a Vertimax and do explosive jumping with resistance, that's phenomenal. Um, I always liked running hills, sprinting hills, and sprinting uh, stairs, stairs or escalators. Uh, an escalator that's not running, <laughs> that, that's turned off. Uh, because that high knee drive is, again, giving our hip flexor a lot of work, forcing our knee and our foot up and giving that hip flexor work, but explosive work. So sprinting up a hill, sprinting up stairs, stadium stairs, phenomenal work for any athlete, phenomenal work for kickers and punters. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, when I was in college, I did a lot of different stair stuff. And I remember, I think, seeing you post something uh, where you guys were running. It looked like off a, a sand dune or, or on the beach, and then you were running up stairs. You know, I'm like, wow, if he's doing this with his guys, I'm doing something right. Or, you know, you do uh, two-foot hops on the stairs or jump in side to side, different absolutely. stuff like that. Yep, absolutely. So uh, you, can, you can mix it up, uh, keep, it, keep it, you know, fresh. But um, that jumping, that hopping, the hip flexor movements, the explosiveness, uh, hugely, hugely beneficial for what we do. And um, it's real easy in a college program, college strength coach, let's push some iron, let's push some iron, let's get that bench going, let's get that deadlift going, let's get that squat going, let's get some numbers on the wall. Uh, now, some of those exercises certainly are very good for us. But taken into uh, you know perspective in relation to what we're doing on the field, do we do we really need to hold the the uh, the deadlift record for our team at 180 pounds? No, we don't. Uh, that's probably going to tighten up your hamstrings, tighten up your back, and be very risky, um, high risk activity. Um, so we got to be careful. A lot of a lot of danger going into a college strength program of falling into that trap of just pushing iron, pushing iron, pushing iron. Hey, what about the agil agilities? What about the jumping? What about the, the core work that we need? What about the flexibility work we need? So we need to make sure those elements are in our program. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny too. It, I've talked to David Akers about the different workouts that he, he did. And he said, Andy Reid came to him one time and said, you know, you're losing your butt. He's like, well, what are you talking about coach? And he's saying, you know, that once you lose your shelf, that's when you see guys start to lose their power. Uh, and so he said he, he shifted to almost a totally body, you know, body strength workout where it's P90X and, and your own body weight. And that was one of the years he went to the Pro Bowl and he, he had two or three more Pro Bowl years after that. So absolutely, it's not always deadlifting, right? These huge things. It's, it's how explosive you can be. Yep, yep. And I've talked to David. He's a great friend and a hell of a player, a phenomenal career. Amazing. I mean, I have the utmost respect for what David did on the field, and he's a great guy off the field as well. Uh, we've talked about that training. I remember him talking about P90X and, and dropping some weight. Um, and it's always a combination of, you know, explosive, power, have some lead, have some lead in that leg, some lead in that tail, but, but not too much where it slows your leg speed down. Um, quickness, you know, some quick, quick twitch, you know, fast, explosive, uh, quick fiber type of uh, movements and training. Uh, so it's a, a blend of all those things that brings us to the optimum performance. Oh, absolutely. And all you guys are very stand-up guys, and that's what I appreciate. But, yeah, those are those are definitely huge. Uh, you know, I was going to wait on the subject because, you know, I was going to save it to the end, but we're on the, on the topic already. What do you think, besides these explosive 
uh, workouts was the secret or what helped you last, you know, 23 years in the NFL? I mean, that's, that's mind boggling just to talk about what do you think helped you? A uh, combination of all those things, you know, always, always refining the training uh, off season. Uh, and certainly when you get into your mid to late thirties and early forties, your training has a shift to recovery. So training well, but understanding that your recovery is slower now. So you have to adjust and modify your training because your recovery time uh, is longer. Um, really, really focusing on quality because you don't have the ability to hit quantity anymore. You can't go out and hit 60 field goals. So your, your warm-up is extremely efficient because you want to keep some gas in the tank for your live kicks. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great challenge. Um, being smart in the off-season, uh, you know, giving up high-risk activities. You know, my family, I, I still am in the doghouse with my family because I didn't snow ski with them. Uh, but I just knew too many guys who blew their knees out on a ski slope. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to end my career uh, because, you know, I was hitting the moguls on the black diamond and blew my knee out. Um, I had a Harley Davidson for about six or seven years and ran into a, a bunch of guys who had stories of them laying their bike down and crashing. And I didn't want to have my own story of crashing my bike. So I sold the Harley Davidson. Um, so being smart in the off season, uh, and you know, I, you know, I thank the Lord for giving me the skill and giving me the health where my knees held up, uh, my back held up and I could continue going, uh, through a, through a career without having any major surgeries. Absolutely. That's, that's probably huge too. That ability to not, uh, you know, wait until you get injured, but to maintain and take care of your body. So you never get injured. That never hinders you uh, as you go on. Are you talked a little bit about kickoffs cause you were a kickoff guy. I want to hear, how did you, you know, how do you go about finding your steps? I think so many kids uh, struggle with just being smooth on their kickoffs and then really, you know, uh, getting, I don't know, uh, talented at their kickoffs because they can never find a good tempo. What do you think? How did you find your steps? Uh, good question. Uh, many kids, the younger kids, they feel the faster I go, the farther a ball will go. So they race at the ball. So nothing, not, you know, nothing can be further from the truth. Um, a good way to start off is just about five yards away. And again, about, okay and just come into the ball with medium speed and just getting a good foot on the ball, kicking it off a kickoff tee and getting that feeling of driving the ball down the field, of landing on that kicking foot, uh, but we're not trying to kick the ball 80 yards, but we're just trying to get nice solid contact uh, before you even start a long approach. Then once that feels pretty good, you're pretty comfortable kicking the ball off a kickoff tee uh, from a short approach. Then we can practice a long approach and it's a lot of dry runs. Too many kids in, in the attempt to find their starting point for a kickoff, they do 10, 20, 30 terrible approaches and they kick the ball and they're just wasting their leg and a bunch of bad contact and what they're doing is they're destroying their confidence as well. So even my NFL guys, I tell them, Hey, we want to keep current with our kickoffs. I want to see a lot of dry runs with no kick because 
if your tempo's off and your steps are off or your angle's off, why, why waste kicks? So we can keep current with our kickoffs without even kicking a, a ball off, off a kickoff tee by practicing and repping our approach. Uh, so our starting point, our tempo, and our steps are dead on before we even dare kicking a football and not, and not, not waste those kicks. And I love that's a nice, comfortable approach. I love that you said that about dry runs because I'm a huge proponent of dry runs. I always had my, my high school guys do a ton of dry runs because we're just trying to replicate that swing, right? So, so you, wanna, you don't want to kill your leg hitting a ton of balls, and I'm sure – I don't know. What do you think about kickoffs? What's the max you should do in a session or a day? Uh, so a normal kickoff session for me, and I'd like to do it either early – early in my workout or a real short field goal workout and then to the kickoffs. Um, if you go to hit kickoffs and your legs fatigue, then you're wasting, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your time. You won't have the power, the explosiveness or the ability to make fine, fine tune adjustments because your leg just won't react quick enough. Um, so if I go on the field, I say, okay, this is a kickoff day. Dynamic warm up, static stretch, I, I hit a few, maybe uh, maybe five balls, six balls off the kickoff tee with a short approach. Again, four or five yards, just kind of coming into the ball. Not a field goal approach, a little bit longer than a field goal approach. I don't want to confuse my mind or my leg that I'm kicking a field goal. So I want to disconnect all those swing thoughts for a field goal by getting a little deeper than my field goal steps. Come in. Bash a few balls off the kickoff tee. Really, what I call it, calibrating my foot to the height of the ball sitting on that kickoff tee. And getting a good look and comfortable with the ball sitting on a kickoff tee. So I hit it four or five, six of those. Then I'll go back to my starting point, my normal starting point for my kickoffs. Do a couple dry runs to confirm that my tempo and my steps are dead on. And then after that, then I'll hit maybe seven or eight kickoffs, 10 at the max. We're good. We're good to go. Um, then finish off with some field goals. Um, so really, again, really, really important to be working on your kickoffs with a fresh leg. If you really want to get benefit out of that workout. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, you, you hit on a lot of good stuff there with easing into it and, and not confusing your leg. All right, once you put your coaching hat on, I'm sure you already got it on, but, you know, pretend you're, uh, you know, me or, or a FBS, uh, you know, special teams coach, and you've had guys that, you know, at the start of camp, fall camp, they're hitting the ball five yards deep in the end zone or 10 yards deep. And by the time they get to, you know, November, they can barely reach the 10-yard line. Uh, what is something that you would do throughout the course of the season to help them maintain or, or keep that leg strength? Well, most likely they're overkicking during the season. They're kicking too many balls during the week and too many balls in pregame. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, I even know some, some, some NFL young kickers that I've told them, hey, you're kicking too much. You know, you, you, I've, I've counted, you know, I've counted – 35 to 40 field goals and the game hasn't started, you know, between the game, the balls you're kicking off the sticks and the balls you're kicking with the snap and hold. And then, you know, another 
you know, six kickoffs, seven kickoffs. I'm like, dude, you, you do not have a full tank of gas right now, and you may want some of that gas in the fourth quarter. So uh, overkicking is a very, very common problem, overpunting as well. So I, I would discuss with them, okay, what's your kick count during the week? What's your kick count during pregame? Uh, that's probably a big issue. Number two is, are they doing anything for recovery during the season? Like, do you know what a cold tank is? Do you know what sleep is? Do you know what eating well is? So are they doing the things they can do to, to stay recovered? Uh, and number three, some guys stop lifting during the season. They're like, oh, season's here. Stay out of the weight room. Don't want to get tight. Don't want to risk, you know, tweaking something in the weight room. And so they, they throw their strength and conditioning program out the window. And so as the season goes, you know, they're dialed in, fine-tuned. They're hitting the ball well. They, they're like, that yeah, feels great. But they start to lose some of that power and explosiveness, you know, a month, month and a half into the season. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what happened. Uh, well, you stopped your routine, you know. And, and the, the, the muscle, the composition of your muscles in your body has actually changed now. So, you know, you, you put in all that nice work and foundation in the off season, let's, let's maintain as much as we can during the season. And then you add in, you know, late in the season, if it's a normal season, we're going to the fall, you add in the temperatures dropping. And so, you know, we're going to lose a few yards there as well. So all those things can combine to, to add up to, you know, shorter kicks later in the season. And that's why we got to pay attention to the details here and make sure we maintain a lot of that power, a lot of that foundation, and we maintain some gas in the tank for the long haul by keeping our kick counts down when we can. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Those are really good points. Did you have um, you know, a kick count uh, in your mind for a day or a week, or did you, do you give your guys a kick count for a week? Uh, yes, and you know, some guys are different. Some coaches require more. Um, but in, in, in the, you know, if you're going to have – a decent, decent amount of kicks or punts that should happen on Monday or Tuesday early in the week. And then we taper off as the week goes on. Uh, we try to get out as much, try to get out of as much kicking and punting as we can, you know, later in the week. And I know a lot of coaches like to cover the special teams at the end of the week. And that's when we have a discussion with that special teams coach. Hey, where can we limit some kicks here? Do we really need to kick off? to the kickoff return team and punt to the punt return team? Can we roll the ball down there? Can we shoot a jugs? Can we put a ball in the guy's hand? And I go through the motion, count to four, blow a whistle, everybody goes. Returner has a ball in his hand. So there are ways to reduce some of those, those kicks at the end of the week when coaches want to cover all the special teams. Um, so, uh, and then certainly in pregame. You know, it's not necessary to kick 40 kicks in pregame. So we should have a routine. We should have a method. We should have basically a chart that we want to commit ourselves to. You know, eight to nine field goals in each direction with a snap and hold. Bam, we're done. Uh, you know, a couple short warm-up kicks, you know, three, four full war uh, kickoffs. Bam, we're done. And not get caught up into uh, – you know, a, a habit or uh, uh, a philosophy or superstition uh, or 
adrenaline that we just got to kick more, got to kick more. I feel great. Kick more, kick more. I'm nervous. I got to kick some more. I got to kick some more. And it's going to cost us in the second half. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. And it's funny that, you know, the things you said, I've, again, I keep bringing up Shane, but he was saying, you know, he had, you know, a set of 15 kicks in pregame because what young guys will do, and just like you said, you know, They'll get the sticks out there. Okay, I'm feeling good. Well, let's push it back. Well, you know, let's push it back more. And you're you're all juiced up now, but you've hit 25, 30 kicks, and now you got a full game to play too. So it's, you know, like one of the most extreme practice days you've ever had because you were so jacked up in pregame. Yep, yep. And that, you know, that adrenaline's great. But, uh, you know, we're not going to have that adrenaline the entire game. We may get it in the fourth quarter when it's a tied game and, and the butterflies start flying in your stomach again. But – uh, we're not going to have it the entire game. We, you know, we have some of that adrenaline and high energy in pregame. Uh, again, we need to be smart and, and disciplined to stick with our plan and not deviate from it too much. Did you have uh, some type of breathing method or technique that you you uh, you know focused on when you were feeling those butterflies, or how did you? We might have already hit on this, but how did you deal with that nervous feeling? you know, in your gut when, when you have to go out there for a big kick? Uh, well, uh, you know, certainly make sure that I'm not hyperventilating. So a couple big deep breaths, I think, uh, works wonders. Um, and continuing to, to replay my swing thoughts because that's what makes me kick well in practice. That's what makes me kick well in a game. So it builds confidence and comfort to continue to replay those in your mind. And by doing that, it, it protects your mind and your thought process from thinking or being distracted from other aspects that, that have nothing to do with the kick. Like, uh, there's 30 seconds left in the game, it's a tie game. Uh, don't miss this kick like you missed the one last week. Uh, you're already in the doghouse, the coach hates you. If you miss this one, you're definitely out of here. Um, if, if you, you perform one more bad performance, uh, your girlfriend's leaving you. So, uh, these are all distra distracting thoughts that have nothing to do with your kick. Um, and so by replaying your swing thoughts, the same swing thoughts that bring you comfort, confidence, and success in practice, we replay those and that keeps you in that confident, comfortable mode of, all right, I got this. This is what I do during practice. This is what I focus on. Nothing else is in my thought. That's good. That's really good stuff. When you, and we're talking about the whole coaching method here, you know, I think it's hard uh, dealing with a kicker because sometimes they're so fragile confidence-wise. When is the time that you get on your kickers? You know, you don't want to dog them for missing a kick because we've all been there. But when do you really ride on your kickers or, or get after them? And when, what are times that you, you like to pick them up? I know it might be a case-by-case -case basis, but what do you think about that? Uh, I, I would say that I have to have a, a come-to-Jesus come talk with them when they deviate from the routine uh, and they don't commit themselves to finishing their preparation. Uh, you know. Why do we walk into a game without confidence and high anxiety? Because we know somewhere deep down that we're not prepared for what's about to happen. And 
there's, there's, you know, the key to success, as General MacArthur said, the key to success is, is preparation. And if we prepare for all the, the situations that may arise and we prepare ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, then we can walk into the, the game with confidence that we're ready to go. And, and we're loaded and we're ready for, ready for a good battle. Um, and so when I see guys deviate from that and they're clowning around, they're screwing around, uh, they're patting themselves on the back for last week's performance. I'm like, dude, that was three days ago. You got a game in another four days. And because you were hot last week, doesn't guarantee you another hot game. So uh, that, that, and you just got to kind of give them a dose of reality. Like just because you made last kick doesn't make you going to make the next one. Every, every kick is independent. Every punt's independent. Every snap's independent. And so, yes, you can be in the zone. Yes, you can get hot, but you better take care of business because when that thing, when you get cold, it can get cold for a long time if you're not preparing well. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, don't be satisfied with being average, right? Don't be content with just getting by because some of those guys will think, you know, oh, well, I, I did okay or I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm maintaining. I'm 95%. It's like you miss two kicks, you know, your, your average or, or whatever, you could go way down uh, because of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, don't, you don't, don't be satisfied with average. Hey, so you made two kicks. Well, let's raise the bar. Okay. Let's ne next week. Let's make four kicks or yeah, you made two kicks, but you didn't have two touchbacks. I mean, next week, let's have two touchbacks and two, and two made field goals and continue to raise the bar for them. So, you know, again, they're not patting themselves on the back because things went good. Okay, well, let's see how much better they can get. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. Hey, I, well, I was going to ask you about a favorite quote you had that was like a motivational quote or a success quote, but that was a great one by uh, MacArthur there. Do you have another one that uh, you like to refer to or, or preach to your guys? Uh Brad, I have many quotes. <laughs> to live by quotes. Many, many quotes. Uh, uh, all right. So I'll give you two that I made up. Uh, one is um, courage to fail, perseverance to succeed. So I courage to fail, perseverance to succeed. So I came up with that during my toughest year that I mentioned earlier, uh, my second year with the Chargers where things unraveled. Uh, and I was just treading water. Um, it's easy to step on the field when you know the success rate is extremely high. So, Brett, you're stepping on the field. It's a 30-yard field goal. You know it's a perfect snap. You know it's a perfect hold. It's sunny out. There's no breeze whatsoever, and the ball is a jugs ball. You're like, you know what? This is like taking candy from a baby. This is a great kick. I love this kick. You step on you. You skip out onto the field. You're so excited about this field goal attempt. As opposed to uh, you're running out in the field. You're in Green Bay. It's a 55-yarder. They didn't cut the grass that week. It's, it's, it's 10 degrees. It's a cross breeze. And your starting snapper just went down, and, there, and a guard is going in there. And you've seen this guy snap the ball on the ground 50 times. You're not, your confidence isn't riding really high. So we have to have courage, courage to fail, meaning courage to know that failure is an option. Failure could happen, but we're going to persevere knowing that we're going to persevere through this thing 
and we're going to do everything we can within our power to be successful. So courage to fail, perseverance to succeed. Um, because as a kicker and a punter, we need to have a lot of courage because the, the likelihood of failure is pretty high. And, um, and everybody sees it. We can't hide, you know, we're not that guard or that tackle that missed the block, but the, you know, the ball was going the other way and nobody saw it. Everybody sees what we do. We're in a fishbowl. Uh, so we need to have some serious courage. Um, the other quote that I came up was, uh, roadblock, hurdle, or stepping stone, you decide. Roadblock, hurdle, or stepping stone, you decide. Meaning, we're on our path, we have a dream, we have a goal. Most likely, sooner or later, something's gonna get in our way. Is it gonna be a roadblock where there's no way we can get past this, this trial, uh, this problem, and we're just gonna have to change our path or change our dream or change our, uh, our goal? Or is that roadblock really a hurdle? And we just need to find more wisdom, more strength, or more preparation to get over that hurdle which again will uh, benefit us in the long run. And now that hurdle was in essence, a stepping stone to greater success for us. Uh, many, many people, no, I'll just take it out of the athletic world. Many people, they have a path, they have a goal, they have a dream. And the first time they run into a little trouble or trial, they're like, oh, can't do it. Let's change. Let's try, to, let's try a new career path or let's try another position. You know, kicking really is not for me anyways. I probably should be a receiver. Uh, they, they turn away way too quickly. Uh, and, and the guys, the girls that hold on to that dream and say, you know what? I don't think that's a roadblock. I think that's a challenge. I see that as a challenge and I'm gonna find a way to get through that roadblock, get over that roadblock, get around that roadblock, continue my path. And I just, I just need to meet someone like Brett who's gonna give me the answer of how to do this better or someone like John who's got a couple of tricks in the weight room is gonna help me get stronger and I'm gonna get over that hurdle and continue my path. And now, hey, look behind me. That was just a stepping stone for me to get better. Um, so again, that's just my personal experience of, of my path in my life where things came my way and I was like, wow, I've been trying this thing, this NFL thing for three years and I'm still not on a team. Is there a roadblock here? Is there something getting in my way that maybe I'm not an NFL guy? Maybe I'm just a regular Joe. Maybe I should go play the trumpet. Uh, but I decided, you know what? I just think I need, I need to learn more. I need to get a better process. I need to get a better method. I need to get stronger. I need to get wiser. And I'm going to get over this roadblock because I think this roadblock's really a hurdle. Roadblock, hurdle, stepping stone. And those are some fantastic words to live by. TM, put the trademark on there. Make sure you cite John Carney. That's <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Uh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been, um, you know, just a, a great time for me to talk. I love talking, kicking, and, and ball. Hey, you know, I, I see you have a lot of activity going on behind you there. I'm sure that's some, is that some of the specialists working out there in the room behind you? 
so this is one of my specialists coaching a class, by the way. Uh, this is Redford Jones. He graduated University of Tulsa uh, a year ago. Uh, actually, he was signed with the Bears last spring for a little while. Great kicker. Uh, we have a circuit class we offer to the public here at Carney Training Facility, and he is coaching a circuit class right now. Wow, that's awesome. That's really good stuff, and I'm sure that's fun to bring people in, too. I was going to ask you, what are, who are some notable guys you've worked with, or who are some guys that we should look for that you are working with right now that are going to you know, be a rising star coming up? Well, uh, Young Wei Koo was just here last week. Uh, Young Wei's probably spent a total of seven months with us over the past two years. Uh, had a great uh, finish of the season with the Atlanta Falcons last year and uh, will continue his career this year. Uh, Jason Sanders has been out here several times. I think he's one of the best young kickers in the NFL right now for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Uh, let's see, Nick Folk has been a, a kicker and a good friend for many, many years here. Finished the season with the Patriots last year. Don't be surprised if he pops up again. Uh, Tristan Viscano, who's a, a young kicker out of the University of Washington, who's been with us a couple years, he just uh, he'll be signing again with the Cincinnati Bengals um, going into camp uh, this week. Phenomenal leg, phenomenal leg. Like his A ball is like no other, no other. Um, great talent. So he'll nail down a job sooner or later in the NFL. Uh, excited about uh, his progress. Um, Let's see, uh, Tommy Townsend, who uh, has been out here a number of times, he'll be competing with another client of ours, Tyler Newsom, for the Kansas City punting job. I know both those guys really well. They're going to have a hell of a competition out there in uh, Kansas City. Um, two guys competing for the job that we, that we work with at the LA Rams, uh, Liram uh, Hula. I can't even pronounce his last name. He's got too many letters in his last name. Uh, Liram's out of Canada. Won a great cup a couple of years ago uh, by kicking a game-winning field goal. Great, great kicker, and, I, and you know he's kicked in bad conditions. Uh, he'll be competing with another one of our guys, Austin McGinnis, out of University of Kentucky. Austin recently has been in the XFL and the AAF. Uh, nice, strong, young kicker. And uh, they have another kicker they drafted, who I do not know, out of uh, a school in Hawaii, I mean, uh, Ohio. Um, and I do not know him, but I know the other two guys. So uh, that'll be a good competition and a number of others. But those are just a few names you can keep your eyes on. But uh, very blessed to work with a number of these guys. Uh, and I'm excited about watching them showing up this year in the NFL. Man, there's so much talent there that you've been working with. And, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how those competitions go. And there's no wonder why they work with you. And that's uh, some awesome stuff. What else? Tell us. Tell everyone else. Uh, what else do you got going on there in San Diego and, and what, where they can find you if they want to, you know, follow you or, or work with you? Thanks, Brett. Yeah, uh, carneycoaching.com. Uh, I pick up a lot of stuff off that website, carneycoaching.com. We do, we do this year-round, you know, 24-7, 365. We have camps. We have clinics. We have privates, one-on-ones. Uh, we have guys that move out here because we have this training facility, this gym where we do our skill specific training. So we have, you know, an environment uh, of guys that all have like-minded goals, how to get better as a kicker, punter, and long snapper. Uh, it's a, it's a, we push each other, we motivate each other, we challenge each other, we compete with each other. So it's a great environment uh, to be in to improve your game. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 
Uh, the Ultimate Kicker and Punter Strength Program, that's an ebook. Highly recommend that because, again, it's skill specific training. It is a ton of information on how to improve your strength and conditioning program. There are two in season workouts and three off season workouts for you to jump into and improve your game. Uh, and then there's the, the video that you mentioned Kick, Punt, Train Like a Pro, 30 minutes on kicking, 30 minutes on punting, and 30 minutes on an introduction to strength and conditioning, um, drills, uh, and demonstrations on what you should be doing with your kicking and punting. So uh, a lot of meat there, but uh, jump on the website, uh, reach out to us, give us a shout. Uh, we do actually some, some virtual coaching as well. So we started that, of course, during COVID when everybody's locked down, guys sending me film and, and me jumping on a Zoom call with them and breaking it down with them. That's a lot of fun. So if you can't get out here to California, we can still help you out and, and iron in and dial in your game. Awesome. Well, John has a fantastic operation going on there. I know I'm going to get a book uh, right after this uh, from from that there that website and, and uh, make sure you know you guys follow John and all the great stuff he is going on. Uh, thanks for listening. And if you have any questions you'd like asked or select guests coming up, follow and send us a message on Twitter and Instagram to Iceman underscore kicking or icemankicking at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us and turn notifications on YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Iceman Kicking Podcast and rate and review us on Apple Music. This is important as we will have giveaways going forward. Also, check out our TikTok under the same name for the best clips from these interviews. And tune in next week for another great special teams mind. I'm Brett Arkellian, and for everyone at the Iceman Kicking Podcast, we hope you stay cool under pressure. Have a great week.